the Spurs foul. Should Miami go for the three right away? Just attack the basket. James catches, puts up the three. Won't go. Rebound box. Back out to Allen. History part of Ultimate Super Coach and Fantasy Sports Show. You are now listening to the Insight Fantasy Sports Podcast. Boom shakalaka! Welcome to an Insight NBA show. Peace up, A Town or H Town as it is tonight. It's the Houston Rockets preview with at NBA G Wiz, also known as me, Maddie G, and this Maddie. Maddie M, live underscore my underscore fantasy. Maddie Malley, how you doing, my brother? Fantastic, mate. And as a bit of a tribute to uh, the Houston Rockets, I was going to wear my jersey. I was going to have a nice little Harden jersey, um, his MVP jersey. But uh, unfortunately, that fit me when I was a fan of Houston, which was about 15 kilos ago. I tried to squeeze in and I just got nowhere. So no treat for you tonight. About squeezes, don't forget you can get absolutely involved with this standard squeeze and use promo code INSIGHT for 15% off on their absolute brilliant range of products. We are talking the Houston Rockets for this show, Maddie. Uh, these guys, uh, they were a shit show. There's been a bit of a shit show to start the season, obviously, over there. Um, what are we making? What's your early thoughts about these Houston Rockets? They feel like a higher paid shit show. I think it's going to be a lot of TV issues this show. year. Yeah, yeah, but there's going to be some. There's going to be fantasy gems in there. So I think from a, I think I'm going to be more excited about them from a fantasy standpoint than I am about a, a just an NBA standpoint. A hundred percent, absolutely, hundred percent. They've obviously is a team that's been in a state of flux. They're under new direction this year, and by direction we mean by old uh, Ime Idonka. Um, I mean Ime Udoka uh, is the new coach of the Houston Rockets. The number one question with these ins and outs is what becomes of the team? Are they a tanking squad, or are they a team that wishes or seeks to be competitive at some relevancy for a play-in tournament spot in the Western Conference off the rip? Mally, thoughts on that? A lot of youth, um, and they've just got a lot of ground to cover. They've got, as you said there, in Ume, they've got a coach that's um, obviously had some trouble in the past. Um, you look at the team that they've got there, hopefully um, <laughs> hopefully they're going to lose a problem in Porter Jr., but they've picked up another mm-hmm. one in Dylan Brooks. They say he's a good locker room guy. He's just kind of a, the bad boy uh, on the TV screen, but... Um, yeah, they've, they've, as you can see here, they've brought in Jeff Green, so they've got a little bit of a stabilizing presence. Fred uh, Van Vliet's meant to be an awesome locker room guy as well. You can also see that they've got Armin Thompson um, with the fourth pick. They've got Cam Whitmore with the 20th pick. A lot of people think he should have gone earlier, so they thought that was a bit of a bit of a steal of the draft, and yeah. he showed out um, at, this, at the Summer League and was Summer League MVP. Dylan Brooks... Um, um, we'll talk a lot about him later. Um, hometown boy, Jock Landale. Jeff Green, who's done so many stints in the NBA now that he's coming back to teams he's already played for. So is this his, had to blow the is this his eighth jersey. stint? Is this his eighth um, stint? Can he go back in time like and get it. one of those old Hakeem Olajuwon Rockets jerseys? I'm waiting for those to come back. I'll be. You're talking about Rockets jerseys. Yeah. You need to bring that back and, see, and Jeff Green are one of those, and I'll be a very happy man. 
can you just imagine, um, well, what's it, not Toyota Center, whatever their center is now, the groundsman rolls out into the car park and he gets his um, gets his paint paint stripper out and just tears off the um, the Porter Junior name, Kevin's gone, and he just underneath it in uh, Kevin's in front hand writing is uh, Jeff Green, so Jeff Green's back. Absolutely, he's replaced. He's uh, he's 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 got a he's got a better person than Jeff Green, who, by all accounts and purposes, is one of the nicest guys in the NBA. Mm. And you talked about adults in the room, and like how Dylan Brooks is supposed to be a really great locker room guy. That's the mm. reputation that he's had until last year in Memphis. Like last year, something was going on in the water with the Memphis Grizzlies and Dylan Brooks, and it went. He became an absolute heel. If we're talking about wrestlers, this is like NWO mm. type shit. Like painting the painting black on your face, wearing a singlet. It was like he was never a nice guy like Hulk Hogan was. He was never one of the heroes, but he played that villain role, wearing the like the wife beater singlet kind of thing. Like the we call them just the Bond singlets here in Australia. You know, wearing his chain, starting shit with everyone left, right, and center. Is this someone you want in your locker room? Despite how great you were with Team Canada, in a team of young guys who already have chips on their shoulder, like Jalen Green. I guess Kevin Porter Jr. is like addition by subtraction. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully he's he he doesn't have a place. Well, hopefully he doesn't have a place in the NBA, but more so hopefully he doesn't have a place in the Houston Rockets. Uh, we'll talk again later how that's going to be beneficial to Armin Thompson. It's going to have a flow-on effect, which could be very positive from a fantasy light. I don't know. I can't answer that question. I guess we'll see. Um, we'll see what he, who he turns out to be. They knew who he was. It's not like they're like, oh, we don't really know what kind of guy Dylan Brooks is. Let's pay him some cash and see yeah. what happens. Like, they know what they're getting. This is obviously what they've and they've tried to find. Um, yeah, this was a so. considered choice. This was a very considered choice. You make a great point because Dylan Brooks didn't go off like in free agency very, very quickly. Fred Van Vliet, as you, by the way, I love your shout out to Fred Van Vliet in the Toronto Raptors podcast that you did with uh, Matty O'Brien. If anyone hasn't heard about the Raptors preview show, go and check that out. His new nickname for me is Dorito um, because he's corn chip knees because uh, they break apart. Um, so I th- I'm going to call him the Chief Supreme, Fred Van Fleet, the uh, Dorito. Uh, the Dorito is his new teammate. He flew off the board. He was one of the first guys that moved in free agency. Dylan Brooks, yeah. there was rumors that he was going to be playing over with the Shanghai Sharks. Dwight Howard yeah. was saying, former Houston Rocket, mind you, like come over. And there was this was a calculated choice by the organization to bring him in. So yeah. on those ones there, the guys we want to keep obviously in mind for a fantasy standpoint this year, definitely Fred Van Vliet, definitely Armin Thompson in a late round flyer capacity, definitely Dylan Brooks. And I'm saying definitely Dylan Brooks because he has been left on at the end of mock drafts in the 150s. And you can get some points and some usage out of him late, Reese. So here's a here's a flyer at a last round guy because he can bring you something back. Obviously, the guys who are out here right now, none of them are really going to be fantasy relevant apart from Bruno Fernando. If somehow God decides to divine into uh, Ime Odoka that he should be like Stephen Silas's starting man uh, in Houston, uh, no one there apart from obviously Porter Jr. that impacts it. This is what I'm really curious. Yeah. You put together for us our plus, our minuses, our sidewayses, where we think they're going to go. We obviously know guys are going to be positive or minus on their on their overall outcome of last season. So this is purely an exercise. Is will these people end up being at the end of the 23-24 fantasy season better or worse than they were in the 22-23? Talk us through it, Mally. <laughs> Fred's earned himself a little negative symbol, and I think that purely comes down to minutes. 
he's he's not going to get yep. the minutes that he got um, in in uh, Toronto, and I think that'll be a godsend for him and his knees. You know, like he might he might get to see the other side of thirty and still be in the NBA. Well, he's not playing. What was he got there? Thirty six point seven minutes. That's that's unreal. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. But I think you know the field goal percentage. I think is going to stay much the same. He's going to get to the top of that arc. He's going to have a look to the left. He's going to have a look to the right and go, oh shit. Um, I guess I'm just going to put it up myself, and I think he's going to hopefully bring his uh, bring his um, three point percentage, which was always something that he could hang his hat on, back to um, back to a good place. But the assists are delicious. Yep. Um, 1.8 steals. He's always been a big steals guy. He's just a hustler. Um, free throws. Are I love his block shots per game. At- yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. For how I love his like block. I love his out of position blocks for a point guard. Yeah, yeah, he's he's yeah. not a little he's not a big dude, but he still blocks shots for a point guard. Like he hustles his ability to recover. A lot of that is his ability to recover off guys gathering for their shot and him getting over the back of it and yeah. reading that as a play. It's really like if you're a young point guard, I mean this is not fantasy relevant, but if you're a young point guard, watch a highlight compilation of how Fred Van Bleet plays to block a shot for a point guard role. But that's very valuable in a fantasy competition when you're yeah. getting seven assists a game. That that's two point five stocks from a point guard. It's nuts. Yeah, and, and you know, like he's still getting twenty points a game there. Three threes. Like the stat line is really quite impressive. I know he's got red there for four point one yeah. rebounds, but when he's six foot nothing, and he's still getting rebounds, and look at the team he was getting those rebounds on. I think the next guy up the ladder from him was about seven foot nine. You know, like how he got a rebound yeah. at all it's a t- is um, amazing. Tall, t- it's tall timbers, tall timber, tall timbers everywhere. And, and you're also, you're not drafting him for that. So again, this is where eligibility, this is a guy, by the way, who was in the 21-22 season, the 23rd overall pick. Last year, the 24th overall pick. The, he doesn't move from yeah. this end of second round, third round value. So we can't exactly predict him to be anything more or less. He could be minus with less minutes. Uh, and the younger youth movement that they didn't have there. So, yeah, he could finish 26 or 27, which is down on 23 and 24, which is where he's been the last couple yeah. of years. You're bang on. The next one, well, the last thing about- I've got yeah. to ask you, Mally, yeah. please. Yeah, go on. Yeah, go for it. You know, you go. I want to know about the last thing about Fred Fleet. Yeah. This kind of, I think this is the last thing. Like, if you've had a bit of a play around like I have with um, fantasy scores and you, you take him and you – click the field goal percentage button, he just fires up. Like, you know, he he was 24th last year with an ADP of 30, and I think he's going to stick much right around there. But he's probably getting to, like, you know, I think you're probably looking at more like the 16, 17 position if you're not dealing with field goal percentage. So very relevant. I could probably do that exercise. I could probably do that exercise for you right now. What would you say? Punting field goal percentage? For him? He goes, he goes to be on a punt field goal percentage build. He's ranked 19 on fantasy scores currently. His change is plus 13. And he goes wow. to be the now, sixth most valuable player in a punt field goal situation, there, Fred Van Fleet. So well, yep, while you're there, punt I can do this on top of that and see what happens. So punt rebounds. He moves into the third. He moves into the third most valuable player. He goes from 19 plus 16 go. to the third behind two guys, Damian Lillard, Shea Gildas-Alexander, Fred Van Fleet. It actually puts him in front of Tyrese Halliburton, Steph Curry, and Kyrie Irving on a uh, 
on a part yeah. one. And again, if you do want to use fantasy scores, make sure you use promo code insight, uh, insight. And if you get that, you get five bucks off the subscription for that one. An absolutely huge one. If you're looking really? at, uh, using Z scores, uh, to in get the insight hundred percent to get the insight on this one, Jalen green, mate, I really want to ask you about Jalen green. Cause you've got him going either way here. Please explain to me how Jalen green can go either way to you, because I see that name. And for me, He is yeah. one of the Houston Rockets who have my soul. Tell me how it, how it plays out in Houston for this year for uh, Greeny. Yeah, well, he's he's comfortable with the NBA now, which probably, in yep. fact, is maybe a bit of a um, a negative for him because everybody knows what he's going to do. There's no there's no questions. I'm talking about questions. There's no question about what Jalen Green's going to do when he's got the ball in his hand. Um, he no. he doesn't rebound. He doesn't get assists. He doesn't get steals. He doesn't get blocks. So you, I don't know if fantasy score lets you punt everything and just leave yourself with points. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, oh. we, we really talk about. Did I do that? We I talk that. about cat um, league. Yeah, we talk about categories, and we play we we play a lot of category leagues. But if you're if you're playing a, a points league, he's a guy worth considering. You know, like th- those areas don't impact him as much and his percentages don't hurt him as much but um yeah at an end of season ranking of 153 he's probably not going to be someone that you take a lot of um chance on in a team that has improved around him if i punt absolutely everything um he goes up (laughs) this is the thing and this is this is where it's like empty he goes from 205, he jumps 171 spots to be the 34th best player in fantasy basketball. If you punt everything yeah. apart from points, yeah, that's everything. Cool. I drafted, I look, I, I drafted him late two years ago in his rookie season. He came through for me. He had an absolutely incredible run. And I think we're all in love. In a, no, we're not all in love. There is this version of Jalen Green that is the after all-star 21-22 player. And that's what we hoped to see last year. I traded for him off the rip. I can't remember who I gave up. I know it was a package, but pretty decent pick and involved KCP. So I was sacrificing numbers that I wanted because I believed, not that the breakout was real, but there was a potential for him. And I ended up just keeping him and benching him sometimes to stop my turnovers, stop my field goal percentage. There were weeks that I managed to creep in front, but I had to bench the guy. But this year with Fred Van Fleet and Dylan Brooks in the room, there is a really good chance for him to not turn the ball over as much, for him to have an increased field goal percentage, more open looks, and not be so ISO heavy with him. And that brings us to Dylan Brooks. You think he's going to be about the same as he was last year at the end of the day, which is flirting with end-around fantasy value. We look at the guy who was probably the fourth option on in the Grizzlies, He's basically, if you look at this list, probably maybe going to actually slip to be the fifth offensive option. It depends what what Yudoka does with um, Jabari Smith, and hopefully that's plenty. We'll talk about him in a second. But again, he, as you said earlier on, he's a player that outside the 150, you'll often still find him there. Um, so there's absolutely no rush to pick him up. Don't don't go early on him because you have like big Dylan Brooks dreams or you like love a bit of shadow boxing. Uh, in the uh, in the uh, hallway or whatever, uh, I, I he he's uninteresting to me from a fantasy standpoint. He's very interesting, man. Uh, what is this dickhead going to do next? Um, t- like checklist, but um, yeah, I um, I'm a completely uninterested. 
I've got nothing else to say about him. How about you? I want to, I'm gonna, mate, no, look, he's going to provide end of end of fantasy value. There is every opportunity that he ends up being a very serviceable, dependable basketball player at the end of the day. Like He's going to play his role in this team. He's going to get you some steals. His field goal percentage was an all-time low last year. Like that was like this sub 400 Dylan Brooks. His free throw percentage doesn't even make up for it. The threes and a couple clips are nice. The assist is not really there. Average. The steals are one a game. Like you can get better options. But if you're stuck for points and three-pointers at the end of the day, absolutely like in the last round or two, especially in a full-team league. If you're in a deep competition, this is a 14-team absolute must-own guy. Like I, I had to say it like that. He is a 14 team must-own guy at the end of the day. Um, I'm very, I want to jump yeah. these guys into it because they're not going to be fantasy relevant unless for streams this season. That's just Sean Tate and Jock Landau. We love that Jock's got a home. We love that he got paid a substantial amount of money to be there in Houston, to be the backup centered to who? Because this is what I want to bring in the next two guys. I don't want to talk about just Sean Tate. He's irrelevant. I want to talk about Alper and Shengun and Jabari Smith Jr., because we all know that they went out to get a center. They struck out. Brock Lopez was on the cards. They didn't get They didn't get Lopez. They're stuck with Shangoon. Do we see Jabari Smith Jr. take a jump here to get like, – he was drafted around the hundreds. He finished at 158. In the last three days of last season, he was the 101st ranked player in fantasy basketball. Like He was 100% the, the – like he was a very viable option. In the last 14 days – of last season he again had another little jump and he was all around that 100 marker you see him better i see him better than being 158 at the end of the year i see him being do we see him being the starting center at some points depending on matchup yeah i think there's some potential there that they, they seem really cold on our prince shangoon which is um a real bummer for anybody who loves fantasy because you can he might be. We need to make a list of the most frustrating guys that their their fantasy value is so strong, but it's really going to depend on the environment yep. and it's going to depend on um on on head office. I think Jabari yep. Jabari Smith Jr. without a doubt is going to be better than the one fifty eight. And if you're a strong believer and you're only as good as your last game, um, you'll be pretty happy because his summer league form was um pretty impressive. So sensational. He can, it was sensational. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's shaken off those, you know, um, the the rookie jitters. Usually, big men uh, who who are rookies don't kind of suffer as badly as he did. Um, where they took him in the draft was probably a little ambitious, um, but we were yeah, talking about I, him I'm being the number one pick too. Year. Like he was like, yeah, like Jabari. There was yeah. all about uh, there was this shadow boxing going on between Houston, um, Houston, OKC. And the Orlando Magic, like he, we were, mm. there was a very strong consensus that Jabari Smith Jr. was going to be the number one pick in last year's draft to the Orlando Magic to a point, and then they didn't. It was all a ruse, and apparently they had their man from day one, which was Paolo Banquero, and he came through, and he was he was great for them. Chet then went number two. He was always yeah. going to OKC. He was always going there, and that yeah. went Jabari at number three. Shengun is going to be one of those frustrating guys. Tara Eason, the other rookie in the team last year. There is a real – I know we called it – his nickname was um, Tari preseason because he showed out. And he does have – but you see, you see he has potential. But you see across the board, he doesn't do anything overtly well. 
We're in love with the breakout potential of Tyra Eason, not in the real world ability for him to convert at a really high clip. His steals and blocks, getting you almost two stocks a game, are fantastic. Rebounds at six, but he hurts your free throw percentage. He hurts your field goal percentage. He doesn't really rack up the points unless on a hitter. And in this kind of Houston Rockets team, he doesn't need to be the heavy offense kind of guy and show out to win you a game down the stretch. It's just not his forte, and he doesn't get you more than a three-pointer a game. Which brings me to this. Your starting five, yeah. Mally's projected starting five for the Houston Rockets. Tell me about this, mate. Just before we move on from um, Tari Eason as well, just like, like yep. it's probably a bit of a cautionary tale. Like, uh, don't don't get yep. too excited about what happens in the preseason. Like, look at the projections, try and have a head on your shoulders and, and be level-headed about the way that you think about things because I yep. think people, and when I say went early, they were still taking him over the 100 mark. It wasn't like he was slipping into people's 60s or whatever, I hope. Um, I'm sure yep. someone did. Um, but, yeah, I, I think given given minutes and given a chance, I was actually really surprised that he got 21.6 minutes because I did not think he played yep. those minutes, um, no. especially on a trash team that was going nowhere. They would have given him some opportunity. I'd love to see him play. I, I hope that if Jabari Smith enters the season like he – well, not exited, but played for most of the last season. Yudoka has said, I, and I'm going to talk about this later. I've got a good quote from him. He said that I've got no one locked in, I think, besides Fred Van Vliet. So it's best man gets the yep. job. So if Jabari yep. Smith stinks it up, even as a first round pick, and Tari Eason can He's come switched. in and do Tari Eason things, yeah, um, that would be exciting. So don't rule him out. Yeah. No, this is his. It's a cautionary tale as to watch, but don't invest heavily. I'm, I'm, I'm of the opinion, and I said this today, Mick, and I know I'm probably going to get burned alive at some um, analyst stakes for this. I do believe in the preseason because there is elements of the preseason that you have to give gravity to, not the whole picture. You don't be like, oh, they've been on a tear for six games. But what I pay attention to is this, and I, and I look really closely at this. Who are the last? Who is the starting five in the last two or three games? Who are the starting fives that matched up against? So if they're going to be, if it's a Clippers and Lakers preseason game, for example, let's just say, and they roll out there their best starting fives for the first quarter. Oh, I'm really interested. I'm 100% interested in who they put in as their starting five and how they play as a cohesive unit. That's where you can put a little bit of stock and trade into the preseason. As a whole pitcher, it's like summer league. It's this beautiful little thing that we do to get people's appetite wet for the NBA. But if you can use these very small sample sizes to give you an indication of where they might be leaning for minutes, what that rotation is going to look at, because they usually bring them out there maybe then to start the second quarter, three minutes, three and a half minutes in, there's subs and they're out of there. LeBron James plays 18 minutes. He's on the bench. But that's what we want to talk about because but tanking teams or teams that are getting used to being cohesive, like the Houston Rockets, I actually might watch their preseason a little bit more closely because this is a very new group. And I'm pretty sure with a brand new coach, they want to give that an opportunity to thrive as much as possible. So I am paying a bit more attention to teams like the Houston Rockets to see what they do under Adoka, see what they do with Fred Van Vliet, Jalen Green, Dylan Brooks, Jabari Smith Jr. and Alperin Sengun in a starting five. Because if Sengun doesn't show out as a defender and is getting absolutely torched, there is every chance come the season that Jabari Smith Jr. goes as a small ball five and Tyra Eason is a smart, starting power forward all of a sudden. I mean, there's a, yep. there's a pathway for that. Yep. yep. And, you know, that's that's what we're supposed to do here. We're kind of rattling the bones and scattering them on the ground and trying to 
figure out what message we're being read, you know, reading the tea leaves. But um, I think that's why when you get to those last few picks, you take a risk on someone like um, J- uh, not Jabari, on Tari Eason, or you take a risk on a, on a Cam Whitmore because you can see a pathway for minutes. I've said here as my first dot point that there's relative safe, safety in this being the starting five for the first night. Yep. But beyond there, I think uh, that Fred Van Vliet is the only one who's in a safe position um, unless he's injured. I think Jalen Green yep. is in a position where he could probably lose minutes, but I'd say he's the second safest. And then I wouldn't be terribly com- yep. confident that Dylan Brooks... I think the only thing keeping Dylan Brooks in a starting lineup is, one, they paid him a fair bit, and two, he gives me Buddy Heald vibes that he isn't a dude who wants mm. to play behind somebody like regardless of what um the front office think and what um emma thinks but um yeah i think i said there that easton's best shot at seeing starters minutes um as the year progresses i think he's the not the sixth man but i think he's a man who might um get his opportunity like i said with jabari smith potentially shitting the bed again but um i've got there as well that um will jabari be uh, will, will Jabari see a rookie see uh, rookie season or a summer league season? Like what what kind of Jabari Smith have we got coming in? We all know the one we'd like, unless you don't pick him up, and then you're quite happy for him to have a, a stinker of a year. But if you grab him, you're obviously going to want him to do continue from where he was. Then again, like you know, we you you just talked about um, there's being worth in the preseason, and I agree with what you said, but I think there's even less worth in um looking at summer league you know he was stomping on guys yep, who were like 100%. you know bottom of the bottom of the in the nbl you know yeah so like 100 it's just a whole bunch of guys like just murdered people yeah yeah he and he did and and yeah, rightfully so and that's what you all you want to see that though you do want to see that from these guys in yep. that second year I mean, that's something you want to see. You want to see your guys who've got a little bit more NBA chop about them after a season coming in there and being like, I don't even need to be here, dude. You need to be here. Like, yeah. I want to see that. I want to yeah. see that kind of balls to the wall play by my Jabari Smith juniors. What were you going to say, Mouse? I was just going to say, too, if, if he, one thing I would love to read into and read into very heavily is if he came out in Summer League and they made a mess of him and embarrassed him, there is a strong message. That's the message that says, yep. don't pick up this dude. Like, he, he can't even he can't even run it back with, like, these fellas. So, yep. I think um, it is, and I think it is know, Cam Whitmore as well, as you said as well. Cam Whitmore is the guy that was in Summer League with him that got a lot of attention. You're Summer League MVP. This is a guy who was Dylan Brooks 2.0 with a chip on the shoulder. Like, you might as yep. well call them, the, like, Chip and Dales, like these blokes. You know, these guys, yep. Cam Whitmore was a, a lottery pick. Everyone was lottery pick. He was going down draft boards. He could have been a warrior, a Laker. He could have been in these teams that should have probably taken him. But all the off-court dramas, yep. talk of injury with him, pushed him down the ladder board. I know we're going to talk about that really soon. But you're right here. With Silas gone now, Udoka in, and it's a better chance of not upsetting players because there was a little bit of – let's not overlook the like the elephant in the room here – that was yeah. Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. didn't have a good relationship last year. That impacted Jalen Green's relationship. Jabari Smith Jr. and him were like bickering each other within the first week of the season, and they never recovered. Yeah. So you've got to come in and take a unit. You've got new players in here, and you've got to – you said you've got to put, be the man in the room. You have adults in the room. And I don't know if Dylan Brooks is the adult in the room. I think Jeff Green is an adult in the room. 
He's a grandfather. I think room. Fred Bam is a grandfather in the room. I think he's an older statesman there. I there's a lot of young guys, which makes me nervous. But I do see Adoka stepping up because I think it's a bit of a redemption tour. Let's not forget this. This is a redemption tour for Ime Odoka. Like he has got a yeah. little like scarlet letter beside his name after what happened in the Boston Celtics. Yeah. They were very happy to see him go because of that situation. He was widely regarded as the next best coach in the NBA. He was on this next tier of guys yeah. who were coming through him, his assistant coach, Will Hardy. This this new blood of coaching. And he took a team to the NBA finals. And then he was ceremoniously, I'm going to say unceremoniously, he deserved it, didn't deserve it. It's up to people to like to litigate. But he's coming back yeah. on a redemption tour. He wants to show that he can coach and that he can get a team to do good things. And I think that actually plays very heavily into how I view the Houston Rockets and their potential because Ime Odoka wants to be like, hey, I can coach and I can coach anybody. And I'm going to coach these kids to be grownups and to perform. And Kevin yeah. Porter Jr. not being there, that's nothing but goodness because I want you to talk us through like your uh, your thing here because I would really love to hear about more about what Odoka's quotes are and and how does it play out for Emma Odoka in this, mate? Yeah, just before we um, go on to that, the last thing I kind of want to say about that previous slide is I really loved your point there. I think that was well said where you said that like this is a redemption tour all the way through the first six players of this team and into their coaching staff because you've got Fred Van Vliet who wants to be the guy, yep. you know, he was kind of in a situation yep. with Siakam last year where there was yep. like driving one of the uh, Aussie garbage trucks, mates. There was two steering wheels and you never really knew who was the guy who was in charge there. 100%. You look at Jalen Green, he's got a chip on his shoulder. He wants to show people that he isn't a one trick pony. Like he can do more than just score and drive and just be a freaky athlete. Then you've got Dylan Brooks who wants to show that he's not like team cyanide. You know, like he isn't going in and wrecking things and like he has some value and he is a good defender. I think you want to show that he's more a defender, but I think he probably needs to stay in his lane. You've got Jabari Smith who doesn't want to go down in the bus list of like, uh, you know, first round rookies who, who you know, develop into nothing and were a waste of a pick. And then you've got Shangoon who is trying his hardest, it would seem, to show his NBA worth, you know, like he is something special. Um, Joker said he was special. Joker sees him as someone who like, yep. you know, is worthy, is worth talking about. So yeah, you know, um, yeah. And then, you know, into the bench, I don't know. It's probably too late for Kevin. Porter That's what he doesn't want to be. Um, he doesn't want to be yeah. stupid. He doesn't want to be stupid. Alperin Shengun doesn't want to be a dumbass. He's literally come out and said, I don't want to be seen as that guy. People believe in me. I don't want to be someone who people believe in and I fail them. Like he is, he yeah. knows that he is capable. He doesn't want to be stupid. Like that's, he, people yeah. are looking at him like you can't defend, you can't do this. He wants to get better at the game of basketball, and he profiles as a really good basketball player. Apart from that defense, and you can't teach defense. I think defense is something that's very much ingrained. You've got to work on from a young age. But it also is done in the European game. It is done with where he's come from. Like we know this as Australian basketball players. What do our coaches say? We're not talking. We don't do the same system as like the you know the u.s system like their system of like coming in and they're like little little camps and they go and play six games in a day like that's not what we do here it's like a very mm. big long training process and i think and shangun is very much one of those players that wants to get better but for me i think the other thing we've got to talk about with this udoka thing the elephant in the room in houston is james harden 
and it needs to be said on this podcast that James Harden was a Houston Rocket. But Ime Udoka did not like him. It did not want him there. It was it, it was like the worst kept secret in inner NBA circles. I've heard Bill Simmons talk about this a few times. I've seen articles about this now. James Harden was destined there. And the domino effect that Ime Udoka going to Houston has caused in the NBA is massive. It could end up with James Harden being a clipper because anyone can pick where they want to yeah. work. I don't know about you, but I want to go and work for Google because cool, man. That's what I want to do. Yeah. But James Harden not being there was by design of M.A. Odoka and his new regime in this organization. He selected Friend Van Fleet instead of it. That then cooked up Harden not going there because that's where he was going to go back to Magic City and eat his chicken wings and his strippers. Wait. Yep. No, yep. eat his chicken wings and his strippers. And then he was going to do whatever the hell it was and play basketball for the Houston Rockets. Udoka said no. He chose Fred Van Fleet. Yeah. This is by design. And this is, again, addition by subtraction. What does he add to this team in a new direction of Houston Rockets in the Redeem team that is their 23-24 season, mate? Take us through some of Adoka's uh, quotes and how that's going to shape us in fantasy this year. Yeah, so we're kind of, again, we're reading the tea leaves a little bit here, but one thing I think you and I can both be pretty confident of is he's going to be better than Silas. Like, poor old Steve Silas. He was an absolute stinker of a coach. So, you know, uh, he probably doesn't get a lot of good good guy points. Hopefully, he comes into into the center wearing his chastity belt and they keep him away from the other staff. Maybe he gets a little shock collar or something. If he tries to go near the women, they zap him. But, um, yeah, that's my two cents. Yeah, but... <laughs> I've written here as my as my kind of lead in that Yudoka is no joker. Like he seems like a stern man. Yeah. He's got a plan. Yep. I think he's um the fact that he's not backwards and going forwards and he kind of speaks his mind has got him into trouble. Um when he was in yep. in uh with us with Boston Celtics. But yeah, I've got here um they hope from what I've been reading that Shangoon under this new coaching scheme will get more of a run. Um, I know what you said before, a lot of what um, we've seen doesn't really point to that. They weren't big at him last year under Silas and they obviously had a little chop at getting Brooks and didn't. So, you know, it must be very hard for him. They want a Brock Lopez. They want want a Brock Lopez. Yeah. Yeah, and they were shopping, you know, like he, he knows that. So, yeah. but yeah, I put here that um, maybe there'll be a dip in volume for, for Green under this new regime, which will hopefully see an increase in his efficiency. And he's going to be getting set up by who, um, I, I don't, this is obviously a subjective statement, but it feels objective from a better point guard. Um, we're moving away from him being yeah. out there with Kevin and now he's out there with Freddie, you know, like that can only mean good things. Um, I've written here and we've too, got to say like as well, with that, defense. Go. Oh, so I was going to say with that, we've also got to like put into the fact that Kevin Porter Jr.'s contract was tied to, and this is just talking from a purely business standpoint, Kevin Porter Jr.'s contract was tied to incentives of not basically fucking up. So he yeah, had to be decent in the locker room being a good boy and he was towing the line to a certain point for him, like for him, like obviously, you know what? I'm not going to disparage the guy. What he's done is wrong. The guy needs to get treatment and get better to be a better human being. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to just hang shit on the person and be like, they're, they're, they're shit. No, what he did was wrong. That's bad. Very naughty. And it's wrong. Not a good bloke. 
just do better, get better. But what that invariably does in an organization like this is it takes someone out of a system and leaves an opportunity for someone like the Jalen Green, as you said, to lower, to maybe get better quality with the volume and not have the pressure of being that other guy to prove anything. He can just be part of a system for the first time in his career. Yeah. And I don't know, this is getting on my soapbox a little bit and we'll try and pull it back around to fantasy after this, but you know, I've got two kids. I know you've got a little one. Like we hope that they grow up to be NBA fans. We, I don't want my daughters finding out that someone like Kevin Porter Jr. Who's supposed to be a role model. Like he's on the big stage is out there choking women like, you know, uh, uh, yeah, it's not fantasy, no. but yeah, yeah, hopefully he gets what's coming to him. Oh, I had, yeah, we're both educators. We work in the sector. We we like, we believe in kids and good messages to them. To be fair, I had a Jar Morant figure given to me, a Pop Funko figure. And the second that he got suspended for gunplay, I took it out of my classroom. I didn't want kids seeing that. Yeah, like, just, I didn't yeah. want that in my Melody classroom. Yeah. I got Penny, hey, off, he, off he goes. He's, 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 he's sitting in a cupboard somewhere that I can take him out in a couple of years. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's a cool pop. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. That's, that's Jar yeah. Morant. He's never done anything wrong. Or failing that, you can melt him down and make a cane. And then, you know, you can get out the Jar Morant cane when the kids aren't, you know. Pulling their pulling their heads in. <laughs> you might need a time machine too, but um, yeah, yeah nineteen eighty four. Hello, um, <laughs> yeah, we're back. Um, I've said here that there'll be a scramble defense, which is going to be set in in motion by um, FEV. Yep. Freddie's going to be out there yep. giving opportunities for Green to find lanes to attack with. That doesn't really 100%. change much yep. from a fantasy point of view. It just makes what he's good at better. So maybe yep. his field goal percentage goes up if he can finish something that's not a, a dunk. But um, yeah, I've got here that Udoka has been really clear in saying that, and this is for his direct wording, was a comp- competition across the rotation. So I took that to mean, whether this yep. is what he meant or not, that Whitmore and Eason and that- are waiting in the winds, you know? Um, and same with and someone else I probably haven't talked enough about, Armand Thompson. You know, he's probably in a position now where he's going from um, being a, a rookie that wasn't going to get used much to hopefully with the perceived absence of Porter getting hopefully some backup guard and point guard minutes. And the last thing I've got here on this before, um, yeah, before I kind of play on to my, my other part of my slide is that we know that MA loves defensive-minded players. Um, so Brooks is kind of ticking all the boxes. I don't know if this means that they're just going to leave him out there to put up garbage shots. I hope that he has some discipline around that and gives him a bit of a, a, a you know, a, a tap on the shoulder when he's out there and going, you're not, you're not meant to be shooting the ball. Like we've got people to do that. You just go out there. You're a terrier. You annoy people. You play good, strong defense. You know, you make shots. I shouldn't be saying this because the dude put up thirty um, <laughs> when he was playing in the uh, in the FIBA World Cup, but you know, so he can score. I just think there's there's times when he doesn't have to. Just before you go on to there, there was one other point that I wanted to make here, saying uh, another quote that I took from him as well is he said that we're not trying to have veterans come in and bail us out, and he said after yep. that it's about growth of our young guys. So where does that, what does that translate to in fantasy? Probably These not a dudes. whole lot. It probably, yeah, it means that Jeff Green's probably not going yeah, it to translate. see a lot of minutes. But yep. Yeah, go. 
No, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm right there with you. I think that's the, I think that's the perfect quote that summarizes exactly what's going on. I, I think you've nailed it on the head there. It's not about that. It's about, you know what, whoever's going to do the job at the end of the day is going to get the job. It's like a, and you said it before, it's like everything is a positional challenge. Everything in the rotation under a doka is up for grabs. And you said, do Thompson and Whitmore get court time? And I think it's a great question you've got here, Mally, because I think they do. It's just how much and when. Like, Armin Thompson is the fourth overall pick. Cam Whitmore is an absolute bucket, and he is a steal at the 20th pick of the draft. Like, yeah. th these are also guys that fit in perfectly with what they want to do. So Armin Thompson can play point and a small forward position and shooting guard, like he can get around. So you said before, if Fred Van Vliet gets injured, what becomes the rotation? So if Doritos, if Dorito knees, Fred Van Vliet goes, yeah. so Jalen Green hypothetically would move to the point guard spot, one would assume. Uh, Armin Thompson would automatically then probably assume the uh, shooting guard role or the small forward role. If there is an injury to Dylan Brooks, we could probably assume then that um, Cam Whitmore will come in and take that role because there's not a lot of depth outside these guys. If you're looking, if you look through them, if you really look through that team at the end of the day outside this with the injuries, who comes next? Well, Tyra Eason is going to be a backup power forward. You're going to roll out just Sean Tate again? Like if Shengun goes down, Jock Landale is going to all of a sudden get minutes. But this is this is where these guys become, especially with an injury guy like Fred Van Fleet, become, become more valuable, as you said, man, because they're going to earn it somehow, and that's where you're going to get a return. Yeah, and they've got, they've got Aaron Brooks sitting there too, but I think he's one of those guys that, you know, they just have him locked in a back cupboard somewhere and they'll give it three knocks if he needs to come out. Hopefully, best case scenario. I don't wish ill upon anybody, but if they're going to have an injury, Freddie, Fred Van Vliet and Brooks, hopefully they smack heads and run into each other and get dual concussions because then they could put Armin and Whitmore in and they've replaced an offensive and defensive guy with an offensive and defensive guy. It'd be, uh, it'd be perfect because that's probably Armin's limitations. If he ends up in that starting five and he has to replace a shooter, they're in a bit of trouble. They are. He's look. He doesn't show out as that. Look, the people are high on him and what he could potentially become. It was just not going to be him in his rookie season. So these guys will get court yeah. time, especially like this is. We'll get about the overs and the unders in a second, because I think that's what really comes into play with these guys. Like just like last year, this was a team last year that won uh, twenty two out of sixty games. They were predicted to win twenty three out of sixty nine of, of, of eighty two. So that was their prediction for last year. So we could collectively say that the team is better by assumption of sixty. How many? How many? How many games did they expect to? Sorry, whoops. No, you, you, you said it before. You said eighty-two. I just you just were like, I've got to say it somewhere on here. You know. Yeah, I've got to drop the minute. Sorry, yeah, trust me. Occasionally, there, but no, I couldn't get past that. Yeah, you have. Occasionally, I'm just, I just, then I put my eyes up here and I looked at um, Armin Thompson's height at six foot seven. I'm like, why is he sitting at six foot nine? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yes. these guys last year yes 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 they were this is how great the houston rockets in 22 23 were according to basketball reference they were the 28th best team in srs their pace was 16th so middle of the pack their points per game was 28th for apparently a team that just wants to score and throw the ball up they did throw the ball up Damn. it just wasn't very efficient their opposition points a game they let in they were the 28th worst team like they were not very good at all their net rating was 28th of 30 teams. Their defensive rating was 29th and their offensive rating was 27th. 
it was collectively not a very good basketball team on what was also, to be fair, a tanking basketball team to reap the reward that is Armand Thompson. But when we talk about it for this year, this is their this is their young stack, their Mally's fantasy lens forum. We're talking about this because I want to come back to the lens because they're over under. It's actually a considerable jump. That's eight games, basically, they've got to win more this season. So they're over under right now is at 31 and a half. So through that lens of whether they can hit that or not, instead of just saying, oh, I reckon over or I reckon under, take us through your fantasy lens for this one and see if that impacts where you come to at the end of the day, Mally. Yeah, I'm starting to feel like that is achievable. I think that 31 and a half, is it, was that the number? 31 and a half? 31 and a half. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it's hard to look at a team in a vacuum because I know when I feel like this team's got better, I really feel that about a lot of the teams in the West as well. So, you know, it's hard to just say they will improve because um, like as they move up and improve, so do the teams have some of the teams around them. But when when I'm looking through um, just purely from a fantasy lens, these are my predictions. This is where I've got these guys sitting in my draft order at the moment. So I've got Fred Van Vliet at 22. I'd be very happy considering a punt and maybe a punt field goal rebound um, build that he could go up all the way to maybe that 16th spot for me. Um, so I could pick a, mm-hmm. I'd be quite happy to pick maybe uh, a Damien Lillard in the first round and then get him. My guards are done. I've just absolutely compounded my points. My steals looking pretty t- delicious. My free throw percentage is great. Two guys who, who can get to the line one a little bit more than others, but my point there, I've said there is um, he's a versatile guard. He's got proven fantasy pedigree, but the downside of him is he won't play the minutes that he will in Toronto. Bad for fantasy, good for knees. Yep. You got. By the way, this is me taking a photo of your big board because I know we're in a draft together. I'm just going to have a little bit of a cheeky uh, look at Mally's big board at the end of the day for where these rockets stand out because I know we're drafting against each other in a couple of leagues. You've got Shangun is 59. Houston still doesn't seem set on him. Jabari Smith Jr., you do have inside the top 100 this year at 89. Um, went nuts, as you said. But do you reckon that sour taste, you get value return for him? And if he's sitting there at maybe pick 90-something, if you don't get him, you're going to just pounce on that and see some return? Yeah, again, it's going to have to be in the right build. It'd have to be in a build where I haven't taken another yeah. risk. I, if I've picked up already a um, Williams, you know, like with his injury history, yeah. maybe a couple of rounds before him, somewhere in the 50s or 60s, I wouldn't get a Jabari. But if I'm feeling pretty good about my team and I think, look, I'm a chance here, like I'm watching this draft going, here we go, like this team's shaping up all right, you're going to have to have these, let's see, Americans say teeter-tarter, you're going to have to have these seesaw blokes that you hope they're on and up when you get them. And um, he'd be a person that, yeah, I think around that 90 position is reasonable. But from the mocks that I've been doing over on um, Yahoo, I'm not going to have to take him that early. So I think he can sit there for another at least round. You can get 12 deeper than that and still be able to pick him up easily. 
Jalen Green is a guy who was absolutely soared since the Kevin Porter Jr. news has come out into the 60s, 70s, 80s. There's no real – we were looking at ADPs of him today. He is going to go all over the place, and I think it's a week of just waiting and seeing what's happening and then knowing where you're going to be able to pick up Jalen Green because I saw him go in the 60s in a draft today that we did, and I've seen him yeah. go in the 80s. Uh, you've got him there adequately yeah. placed at 117 based on his hollowness. The Basically, the guy's like a donut. It looks delicious, but it's really hollow on the inside. That's his fantasy game. Yeah. Armin Thompson, you've got coming in there at 123. Right beside, were you just sitting around looking at Houston Rockets to put on your big board back-to-back there yeah. with Armin and Tyler? Yeah, I just I just were trying to cluster guys together. And, you know, I think they really have very similar value. They do completely different things. Mm. But I think when all said and done, they're three guys that you're rolling the dice a little bit on. I'd say with this entire team, Maybe besides Brooks, because you know what he's going to do. Not a big upside guy, but at least, you know, you're going to get what you what you got last year. And Fred Van Vliet, who we know is going to be, at least for another few seasons, in the same position, a top 30 guy. Yeah. Even, you know, things I go to plan. But Shangoon, great player, sketchy fantasy and NBA future. Jabari, potential galore, but he could also, we've also seen hopefully the worst of him. Jalen Green, yes, without um, without Kevin Porter Jr. there, he's going to get more opportunity, but he's only going to get more opportunity to do the things he can do. It's not like all of a sudden he goes, yeah. wow, I can rebound and I can pass and I can get steals and I can put the ball through the hoop because Kevin's not here, unless Kevin's been psyching him out in the locker room before the game, which is potential for that. But, yeah, Armand Thompson at 123, Tari Eason at 124, I said I like this analogy that he's Tari Eason and probably our men uh, are both like the Grim Reaper. You know, they're standing there with the sickle at the locker room door. They're just waiting, licking their lips, waiting for an injury, waiting for a stuff up, waiting for five shite games in a row from Jabari Smith. And then they go, Coach, I'm here. You know, remember me? I'm a young guy who has a future in the NBA. Can I have a little go? So... And that's the same as Cam Whitmore. Cam Whitmore is going to be chomping at the bit with the chip on his shoulder to prove his worth in the NBA, which comes to the 31 and a half games. I am going to take, I think I'm going to go under. Right. I think I'm going to go under. I, th- I think they come, I think they improve as a team because that's a win. Oh, you know what? Am I going to go? No, I'm going to hit 32. I'm going to, I'm going to pencil it in as an over. I'm going to say that they're better. I'm going to go, yep, 32. I think if they're going to hit 32, it's going to be 32, but much higher than that. But I'm going to be shitting my pants in the last week of the season. Yeah. And I know I know our followers love decimals, and I think this is going to be a decimal that really uh, makes a difference here for me because at 31, I'd be happy. At 31.5, yeah. I'm not happy. I can't see no. eight games seems like a push. I think they've got better. It does. But they're going to have to gel. I, they've got a new coach. They've got a, uh, you know, they're, they're completely different to what they were last year. So I think I'd be very happy at, if I was front office and that they got to 31 this year uh, under the circumstances, I'd be pretty happy. I'm going to say 32 because of the chips on the shoulder. And I actually, there's some part of me that wants yeah. them to do well in this world and to come back after all this negative talk and, and get the 32. So I'm just saying it's 32. If it gets to 33, if it gets to 35, I'll be shocked and amazed. But I think they can get to 30. It's those two games, especially silly season when they're possibly tanking, that I don't trust. 
That's that's what's going to yeah. do my head in a little bit come the last week of the season. So for me, I'm going to take. I'm going to say yes. And where do you land at the end of the day, Mal? Under. I'm going. Uh, uh, I'm going thirty. And I just think like you just you just um, provoked my memory there too before we sign off that with the tanking that we had to worry about last year when we had this um, freak of a human being yep. in Web and Yama, the, the the draft class next year doesn't look as exciting. So hopefully we're behind these like tanking panics, you know, like the the reward you get from tanking and upsetting your your fan base, losing money, yeah, getting called out for being a tanking team. I just don't think the rewards were that last year. I mean, (laughs) Spurs shamelessly were like, "Fuck it," we're like, "This is us. We're just this is what we do. We're 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 doing everything we can (laughs) to really like take the piss out of the rules." Yeah. Yep. So, a hundred percent. No, a hundred percent, man. I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. I think. I think tanking will happen. I don't think we'll see it to the extremes. But could you do competitive tanking? We're going to find out this season because I don't think there's so much more on the line where you've got a generational talent coming in like Victor Wembanyama. There's talent because it's an NBA draft, but to the level of that, and and we've got to look at the last couple of draft classes as well. We've had a couple of really good draft classes. You know, like we've, we've had those guys and they generally come in spates and, and spats and then there's like two guys that are good and serviceable and there's two guys. And then there's, if you look at the, like the history of where they turn out at the end of the day, you get this little cluster, which I feel that we've had. I think we're just on the end of it for now and they're going to be good players in the NBA, but they're not going to be the superstars. And if you look back at the, in a few years time, if you look at the last five years of draft class, you're going to see the next range of NBA superstars coming from them. You're a superstar, insight Podcast network of superstars. We're just, I'm just saying that because it's nice to say, and it was a segue. I, I believe it too. This is the Being the Insight NBA show. Make sure you like and subscribe and get on it because, Maddie, this is huge. We're going to give an, a punter who leaves their name in the comments below an NBA jersey, a personalized NBA jersey, your team, your number, your way, whatever you want. It could even be a Houston yeah, Rockets jersey. Don't. We'll oblige you. We don't care how long your last name is. If you're if you're in Adunakumbo, that's okay. Well, you know, I want to see someone's We're, last name so but, big that we have to go a full circle on the back. I don't want to see that because I don't know if I can order that directly from NBA.com is where I'm going to have to order the jersey from. So please, if you do have a long surname like Antetokounmpo, if you could, no, that will fit on the jersey. But if it's Andy. any more than that, we're going to have to negotiate. We're just going to have to measure your kumpo or anti or yeah. mo at the end of the day. Thanks so much, Maddie Malley, for joining us. We'll catch you very, very soon. This has been an Insight NBA podcast. Like, subscribe, put your name in the comments. Make sure you get part of the competition. Take care, everyone.